Most of us has heard of the golden rule. Well, it, it, here we go. Now I'm hooked up. I tell you what, I'm going to get some of them big rubber ears, them great big ones, because on these stupid ears, there's a, there's a hearing aid on each one and these stupid glasses things, and now I get this microphone, and it hooks over all that, so I'm going to, if you see any of those, buy me a pair of those. I might look a little funny, but it might work. Anyhow, what I was going to say before I so rudely interrupted myself is, there's no hope for me, folks. <laughs> I'm 67, I haven't changed at all, so I'm, I'm on the downward slope now, so that's the... Boy, I'm glad I got notes. I would not have a clue where I'm at. <laughs> what I was going to say is that the golden rule, is, it's amazing because it came from Christ, but other religions have borrowed from it. You kind of get a, a, a glimpse of that. Let's watch this clip about the golden rule, and it's from around the world from different kids. Let's watch. Second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you shouldn't do to others what you don't want done to yourself. Do not do to your neighbor. Because he would have them doing to you. They taught it to us when we were not sharing. It doesn't really matter who you are. It just matters that you're a nice person. We're just friends with everybody. You wouldn't, you know, punch yourself just the same way you wouldn't punch your neighbor. Don't bully any other people. That's kind of what it means. لا أحد منكم يكون مؤمنا حقا حتى يتمنى للآخرين ما يتمنى نفسه. 一个字表达了所有的言行。爱，不要用自己人为用伤害的方式。跟穿木兰，并欲以攻，别其实都安全的，而得改变都安全的。children understand that maybe more than us as adults. We might have adapted that as a part of our lives as a child, but as we got older and older and life has buffeted us and knocked us around a little bit, we change a little bit. What's interesting to me is all those major faiths in the world, oh, that all came from the teaching of Christ. Um, 
In Matthew 7, 12, Jesus says this. So in everything, I like, that's a, that's a wide open term. It doesn't, it's not compartmentalized. There's not certain areas where you should do it and others you should not. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Many religions teach a negative version of this. Confucius said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. The well-known rabbi Hillel said this, whatever angers you when you suffer it at the hands of others, do not do that to others. This is the whole law. So, but Jesus changed that. He stated the positive. Jesus made the statement even more significant. It may be easy to refrain from harming others, but it is much more difficult to take the initiative in doing something good for them. It's easy to refrain. It's harder actually doing something for somebody else, doing something good, because that involves action to that. This is the key to the radical discipleship that Jesus Christ wants out of you. I use that word because that's what it is if we live it the way that it's supposed to be lived. We will be living radical lifestyle changes in our lives. The golden rule is the foundation of active goodness and mercy. The kind of love that God shows you and I every day. The word so in that scripture links Jesus' words do to others what you would have them do to you. And it presents the whole premise, if you will, or kind of the base of the Sermon on the Mount, actually. You know, I I mentioned this, and I, I I haven't talked much about the trip. Of course, we just got back. But one of the things that does, when you read scripture, when you read Matthew 5 through 7, with his Sermon on the Mount, it was the Mount of Beatitudes, and we went there. So it it brings it home a little closer when you know that you have set foot in that place, actually. Not only does this rule describe briefly the behavior expected of Jesus' followers, it sums up the law and the prophets. That is an amazing thing, that in this one verse, all that is written is summed up in this, all the law, all the prophets, everything that was written down, it's summed up in this, one, in this one verse. This is the ethic of reciprocity. Webster says reciprocity is a mutual or cooperative interchange of favors or privileges. The golden rule also in our lives, it's an exercise to combat selfishness and self-centeredness. The golden rule was also teaching of the law given to Moses on Sinai in Leviticus 19.18. Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But not to love the neighbor's stuff. (laughs) That would be covetousness. To want or to desire something that somebody else has, your neighbor. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, Romans 13, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, chapter 6, 9 through 11, Ephesians 5, 5. Therefore that which belongs to the other cannot be expected from him. The main idea is that of rendering justice and mercy and grace and love to all men prescribed by the law. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 17. He's addressing the law, and he was trying to bring the fact across that he didn't come to annul the law that was given on Sinai. He came to fulfill it. He said, "Don't, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose, not to destroy but fulfill, to bring into context, to make them understand that there was a transition there. 
That they, they came from the law, 400 silent years. Jesus shows up, and he's, he's teaching people a new way to live. And he's teaching them how to live the law without once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur is buying an animal and having that slow, th- the throat slit and had that blood. We can't in our wildest dreams imagine what Jerusalem and the Temple Mount was like on the Day of Atonement. Thousands upon thousands of people, and they all brought an animal, and they slit that throat, and that blood was in puddles, in pools. You know, that, that's one of the things that uh, our, our guide, he was a brilliant young man, and he would make analogies. And he said, keep this in mind. On the day of component, uh, Atonement, Yom Kippur, when all the animals were slaughtered, after that day was over, the priest would throw bucket after bucket after bucket of water to rinse that blood away, and that blood was mixing with the water. And then he took us to Calvary, and he said, remember this, is when that Roman soldier plunged that sword into the, or that spear into the side of Christ, what came out? Blood and water mixed together. He had all these analogies that he made. But Christ came to fulfill the law, to bring it to fruition. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets, and he came to fulfill all righteousness in Matthew 3.15. You know, we, we preach from the Old Testament, maybe not as much uh, as we do the New. But when you go back and read Leviticus and you read the law, here is a pattern that God has given us from the, since almost the beginning of time on how to live. You know, we say, well, we don't live. Well, maybe we should go, go back to that in a sense. I'm going to read some verses out of Leviticus 19, 1 through 4 and 9 through 17. It's a pattern to live by. And picture this in your mind as I read this, that let's just say, let's just say in, in Indiana, if everybody in Indiana lived like this, what a place this would be. The Lord said to Moses, say this to the entire community of Israel, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must show respect for your mother and your father, and you must always observe my Sabbath day of rest, for I, the Lord, am your God. Do not put your trust in idols or make gods of metal for yourselves. I, the Lord, am your God. Reminds him over and over and over again. It's something that we need. It's rote. It's something we need to be reminded of all the time that he is our God. And in verse 9, when you harvest your crops, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigners who live among you, for I, the Lord, am your God. Do not steal. Do not cheat one another. Do not lie. Do not use my name to swear a falsehood and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not cheat or rob anyone. Always pay your hired workers promptly. Show your fear of God by treating the deaf with respect and by not taking advantage of the blind. I am the Lord. Always judge your neighbors fairly neither favoring the poor nor showing deference to the rich. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not try to get ahead at the cost of your neighbor's life, for I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. I should put in that, and this is probably slanderous, but uh, mother-in-law is not included. 
Confront your neighbor directly so you will not be held guilty for the crimes. And here's the thing about this passage that, that he was bringing it to mankind. It's not an option. It's a command. Because in verse 19, God himself said, you must obey all my laws. So we had the law, and we had the Old Testament, and we had the prophets, and we come to Malachi, and Malachi ends, and there's 400 years of silence, and then Jesus shows up, and this is what he, teached, he taught on that hillside all those many millennia ago. Do for others what you would like them to do for you. This is a summary of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. That's an amazing thing of what I just read, and that's just part of it. It's all encapsulated into this one verse. Do for others what you would like them to do for you. It's this great significance of that to me. If we follow that, if we act this out in, the, in, the, in our lives daily, the teachings of Jesus, namely the golden rule, we are keeping all the rest of God's commands in our lives. That's an amazing thing to me. This enforces our basic philosophy of ministry that doing and serving others is the key and the entrance and the gateway to true peace and joy and purpose and fulfillment when we follow the golden rule. This is Palm Sunday, as Steve said, and it's a day Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem to die for you and I, to die so that you and I can have a right relationship with the Father. And here's a side note to that. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, uh, down off the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley, and as people laid palm leaves and their coats down or whatever, he went through the eastern gate. On the old Temple Mount, there are 15 gates. There's only one on the eastern side. And right now, this is bizarre that it's blocked up. And if the Scripture says that when Christ comes back and touches down on the Mount of Olives and it splits in half, he comes across the Kidron Valley and he comes into the Temple Mount through the Eastern Gate, which is now blocked up. And the reason it's blocked up in the 15th century, Suleiman the Magnificent, the Turk ruler at that time from the Crusades, heard a rumor and the Jews were talking and said, our Messiah's coming back, and he's coming through the eastern gate. He said, he ain't coming through that gate, so he blocked it up. You imagine keeping Jesus out by just a few blocks? That, that's a bizarre thing to me, but it's still blocked up, and right there at the base of that, all along that wall is, is a Muslim cemetery. So when you see those things in your pictures, in your, picture that in your mind, it's, it's kind of wild. Christ showed us a more excellent way to live. This is what, this is the way it involves you and I living the golden rule. How do we live the golden rule? I think maybe you have to do these four things to live the golden rule. Number one, it has to be a personal choice, of course. You have to want to do it. I can stand up here and preach till who knows, the cows come home, whatever little analogy that you use. It, it doesn't make any difference. I could preach this same message the rest of my life, but unless you want to live the golden rule, you're not going to do it, and I can't make you. It's like little kids say, I'm not going to do it, and you can't make me. I think sometimes we're that way with God. But it has to be something you want to do. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks in your heart. We learn how to treat people by listening and knowing God and his word, but also as the Holy Spirit. But haven't you ever been in that situation that you're around somebody and, and they're hurting, and you think they need just a little more compassion on your part. 
Third thing is you have to love Jesus above all others. He's got to be important. He can't be somebody you talk to once a week or pick up here at the door and leave here sitting in the balcony when you leave. It's got to be something. It's 24-7. You have to love Jesus above all others. And then lastly, you have to make a conscious effort to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not always easy, is it? Who in here has never had a neighbor that ticked them off? Because sometimes neighbors trash blow over in your yard or their dog comes over and leaves you a present every day. Does that bother you, upset you? I think there's a lot of things that happen we don't take into account. We, sometimes we think, well, I'll love my neighbor if they fit my paradigm, if you will, but that doesn't always work. It's, it's a big challenge for us to love our neighbors as ourselves because most of us love ourselves pretty much. Living the golden rule opens many doors for us to be Jesus to others. We've got to, to share Christ. To learn this, you have to practice it, to actually live that out in daily existence. The big idea of today is we need to live the golden rule. Why? Because it's the key to living like Christ wants us to live as God's children. I, I thought about this, and I, I, I think perhaps to learn this, we need to go back and remember the things we learned in kindergarten. How, how many in here went to kindergarten? There, there was even old people that went to kindergarten in the first service, which kind of amazed me. But where I lived, that they didn't, they didn't have kindergarten, so you started at first grade. I, my hat's off to kindergarten teachers. That, uh, I just wanted to say that because you've got those young lives in your hands and you're trying to form them, actually. Do you remember what you learned at their age, actually? You realize that much of what we need to know and how to act socially, you learned it in kindergarten or first grade for us old people. Robert Fulgham writes this in his book for many years ago, things I learned in kindergarten. Share everything, play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. And I've added this. If you're a boy, put the lid up and then put it back down. Confession time. I like confessions sometimes. If I've been driving and, and drank too much coffee and I need to go to the bathroom, if I pull into a gas station and the men's is locked and the girl's is empty, I've gone in the woman's bathroom. That's sexual harassment. I know there'll be charges filed tomorrow. But nonetheless... I always want to tell you, though, I always, I, I'm, I always put the lid down. I just want to tell you women that so you know that. So if you ever go in a, the ladies' bathroom and the lid's up, it wasn't me. Let's put it that way. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some, think some, and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why, but we are all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they will die. So do we. And then remember the Dick and Jane books. Anybody remember Dick and Jane? Am I, am I the only? And the first word you learned, the biggest word of all, look, look, see Jane run. 
And as we men get older, you add another line. Look, see Jane, give us the look. So if you know what I'm talking about there. But it's the point of that, that wide-eyed wonder. Are, do you ever have that in your life? That, that something, whether it, it's like looking at Kendall's baby in the face that's newborn. That, that, you, you, it's just you have a look of wonder on your face. And, and if you see a, a sunset or scenery or whatever, if you look at your spouse, it, sometimes there's just, I think we should have a look of wonder. And I fear that as we go older, that we are robbed of that. It's like creativity and imagination in children. I read a story about a, a, an anal oh, kindergarten teacher, and this little boy, they were coloring animals, and he had colored an elephant purple and a kangaroo pink. And the teacher said, Johnny, elephants aren't purple and kangaroos aren't pink. He says, they are in my world. It's, it's how children see things. I, I, I think that's, Christ made the gospel so children could understand it. And I, I, just, I just think sometimes uh, we maybe grow up too quick. I'm 67 and I'm just getting through puberty, puberty so uh, it's going good. One thing about it, you listen to your teacher or you, you suffer the consequences. I don't know if you, probably none of you were in trouble in school, but here I've, I spent my first grade in behind that door in a closet. My teacher was nutritionally enhanced, so it took her a while to move around, <laughs> if you get my drift. So this was over in the corner, and, and she, didn't, she didn't have to say much, Eddie, to the closet. I mean, that, I mean, that was like every other day, Eddie, to the closet. But anyhow, when she'd, excuse my terms, waddle back to her seat. I would, I'd crack that door. <laughs> I'd have this shaft. At least I had a shaft of light. I, I hated the dark when I was afraid of the dark when I was little. But nonetheless, that, uh, and that's why I always say jokingly, you've heard me say it, I learned my ABCs in Braille because I was in the dark more than I was in the light. <laughs> what I learned in kindergarten, I, I think this is amazing, really. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love, and basic sanitation, ecology, and politics, equality, and sane living. You take any of these items that we learn in kindergarten and uh, extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life, to your work, or your government, or your world, and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world this would be if the whole world had milk and cookies at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then lay down with your blankie for about a 15 or 20 minute nap. And then after you was energized, you'd go out and do this. I love kickball. I don't, I don't play it anymore. But, you know, there for a while I had this wild idea when we first started is to go around the square in the businesses and challenge them to a kickball game over on the courthouse lawn. I think that'd be fun. I know we could beat the probation department. But anyhow... Um, When's the last time you've seen a bunch of adults playing kickball? I know they probably do, but nonetheless. And, uh, don't worry, I'm scheduled for my next shock treatment next week. I'll be better. I'll be better on Easter, I promise. So, of all, if all the governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess, 
and to love peace over war. And it is still true no matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. This pretty much sums up to me how to live the golden rule. The basic quality of life we learned in kindergarten we can apply to our lives now. Here's some little kids that this is what they're learning in kindergarten. Let's watch. I treat everyone with respect. I use nice words that doesn't hurt others. I like to share my toys and play nice together. Do you remember what you learned in kindergarten? I was a kindergarten teacher, then I wouldn't need hearing aids. Those, those little kids, they spill, spit, her, spit her right out, don't they? You know, if we could view our world through the eyes of our kindergarten, I think it would renew maybe and restore our passion for life itself. But many, I fear, see the world as a prison house and not a playhouse. Edwin Arlington Robinson, 1869-1935, was born in Maine, attended Harvard for two years, he was appointed by President Theodore Roosevelt to a position in the Customs House in 1905. After 1910, he devoted himself entirely to his writing. He won the Pulitzer Prize in 1922, 1925, and 1928. His final collected poems was published in 1937. To the charge brought against him, against his early poetry, that he viewed the world as a prison house, he replied this very, very profound statement. The world is not a prison house, but a kind of spiritual kindergarten where millions of bewildered infants are trying to spell God with the wrong blocks. That is an amazing statement to me. When you think in the world of millions of people that are seeking some other desire than God, and they, where they're trying to fill that God hole, but they don't know how to do it. That's why we're here. Granted, not everybody you share Christ with is going to come to Christ. But you'd be amazed at the people that we rub shoulders with every day that don't have a clue what the gospel means anymore. Those days are gone. Bible stories are gone. People just don't know them anymore. But that's what it is. 
There's a God hole in there that only Christ can fill, and that's what they're searching. And my goodness, the different ways that people are trying is vast. The world is not a prison house, but a kind of spiritual kindergarten where millions of bewildered infants are trying to spell God with the wrong blocks. You and I know how to spell God, don't we? There it is at the top. J-E-S-U-S. His kingdom is a spiritual kindergarten where the rule of the day is the golden rule. It's our purpose to live it. The message, Matthew 7, 12. Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you get. This is our foundation. It is what God has called you and I to do. And it's a lot easier to read that than it is to act it out in our lives. And that's what God has called us to do. You know, many outside the faith, they don't, they don't need, there are a few maybe, but there are, that is rare. They don't need thumped on the head with the Bible. They need to see and feel the love of God in action. And it's not con- condemnation. This is what will draw them to Christ. It's seeing and witnessing you and I in real life really living this out. You know, I, I, I repeat myself tons of time, and as the time goes by, it'll probably get worse. But I have said this thousands of times. People are sick to death about hearing about the church, about what this, what we can do, what we can't. Actually, what they want to see is you and I actually living it. Because if, 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 they don't, if they don't see that, they see us as phonies. You take somebody that, that, that lifts high the Bible and especially their, their faith, that they, they talk about it a lot and whatever, and they're mean, obstinate people, it doesn't line up. So you, you see, sometimes it's better if maybe if we wouldn't tell people that if you're not going to live it. Because it does damage. Let's let, at least try this for a week. <laughs> this is Holy Week. Try, try to live in the golden rule if you're not doing it. See what, see what happens. It's the key to living like Jesus wants us to live. How you treat others. That's the question this morning I want you to go home with. Doesn't matter how I treat them. Well, it does because you, I'm, I'm an example, but nonetheless, how do you in your life treat others? You, maybe you live the golden rule. Praise God if you do, but if you don't, really think about it. And here's the question of the ages. Do you know Jesus Christ this morning? Is He in your heart? It's not enough to know about Him. It's not enough to know the Holy Bible from Genesis to Revelation to quote whole chapters. Without Christ in here, it, it, it has no meaning to you. I've known people that I think has been astounding that have gone to church for years and never made that commitment. They, they believe that if they're faithful in attendance and, you know, if you know, they give 
give their money that it's okay. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not. Romans says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, that, that's, that's the person. They have to do that. You, you have to call upon the name of the Lord. If you don't know Christ this morning, here's how. It's a prayer. It's not the prayer. It's just a prayer that can steer you that way. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am sinful and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I want to turn from my sinful ways and follow you instead. I invite you to come into my heart and life. Amen. The fact is you can do it with your eyes open and your head up, but the key is you have to mean it in your heart. And That's my prayer this morning. If you don't know Christ, that you can come through this door. And now, if you would, I want you to say this, everybody say this prayer with me, if you would, out loud. You don't have to belt it out, but just say it. It kind of gives you an idea when you say it. Jesus, we want to be like you, full of grace and mercy and love for everyone. But it is so hard sometimes. We get selfish. We get angry. We even hold grudges. All this makes it very difficult to live the golden rule. Forgive me, Lord, for not treating and doing for others as I want done to me. Help me be like you. For you, Jesus, are my hero and role model. Thanks for loving me. In Jesus' name.